Welcome back to the Aware Audio Experience. Thanks for joining us again for part two of this three-part series with Deron Levitan, somatic therapist. We're going to get right back into the action, exploring his experiences with meditation. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you tune back in for the third part where he's going to lead us through a guided meditation. So we're coming back to a thought that we were just touching on earlier about how to perceive time and new experiences and really kind of reframing what a new experience is. And when we were leading up to the break, we were talking about, I guess my perception earlier was that a new experience that would help me perceive time as longer would be like skydiving or roller coasters or like something very intensive. And what Deron was explaining was that there's new experiences to be found basically in everyday life. And if you hone in on those new experiences, you can really expand how you perceive time and expand your experience, basically. It's your experience. It's not about what you do, it's how you do it, right? It's People are very numb in this life. Mm-hmm. They go drive to the same place of work, they do the same few hours there, they drive back, they watch TV, same shows, eat similar food, and they're numb. People mm-hmm. are sleeping. They're asleep, Mm -hmm. sleepwalking, sorry, but it's true. A lot of this world is sleepwalking. What happens is they're looking for ways to wake up and to feel alive. So they go to the amusement park and go on a roller coaster to feel, oh my God, I'm afraid, I'm I'm alive, I'm tingling all over, right? Mm -hmm. I'm jumping off a plane because someone bought me a Christmas present to jump off a plane and I'm all shivering and excited because it's, it's exciting and I'm feeling alive. Okay, that's great, but I'm saying... We're missing out on a real big piece. Being alive every day. How are we alive every day? How do you drive to work and pay attention to the sky? They're different today. How do you pay attention to the weather? Maybe you do a little walk around the block and feel that the difference in today's weather, the sun, the wind, different flowers. Just be more present to whatever is going on today. You know, everything is always changing. How do you feel today? How is your emotion today? Then not as yesterday. Today I'm feeling a little more internal Mm -hmm. tomorrow i'm walking and the next day i'm walking i'm feeling wow i'm really connected to everything i'm really more alive everything is moving and changing so it's about our ability to be awake every moment especially in connection when Mm -hmm. you are looking someone's eyes like i'm looking at sean's now there's that connection there's a moment of connection we're connecting to ourselves when you connect to someone you're connecting to really yourself we are all connected so when we are in connection, it takes away the feeling of that loneliness that we all have inside. And we feel like we are part of something. And we need to be present with that moment. You know, when people die, they don't think about how much money they made, what car they drove, mm-hmm. uh, how many buildings they own, what career they had, what, what, what promotions they got. No one ever thinks about that. There's a very interesting book. It's about the regrets of the dying. It's, it was written by a nurse that was sitting with people that were dying, like many, many of them, mostly, mm-hmm. mostly men. And she was noticing that the, most of them had the same experience in the end. Mm. They had about four or five regrets that were all the same. Mm. None of the regrets was about not making enough money. None of the regrets was not being, living in a big house. Mm-hmm. All of the regrets had to do with their own self-fulfillment and connection. Mm. 
The number one was I did not do what I wanted to do. I did what people told me to do. Mm-hmm. I did not live my life the way I wanted to live my life authentically. I went to the school that my parents told me to go. I chose a job that people told me to choose. So I didn't do what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. You know, the second one was about connection. I wasn't spending enough time with my family. I lost contact with my friends from the past. I got too busy with my life. Why are we doing that to ourselves? We have a moment to be present with a friend, with someone that's important to us. We need to be present. So help me break that down more. How do, how do we make that actionable for people? Because to tell someone, hey, you need to be more present with your friends, or hey, you need to be more connected, what does that look like? I mean, because what you're telling me is that a lot of people, when they interact, they're not really fully present, that they're just... First, they're not making enough effort to be in connection. Right. To even get there. Right. That's number one. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people don't give that enough in their life. I feel like they're not... They, people go through their lives pretty much alone and not making sure that they're meeting someone, or mm-hmm. meet, you know, family member, uh, good friend, uh, someone they're connected well with. We're just not giving out enough time in our life so it's just to begin with step one is prioritizing absolutely. even seeing people absolutely i when i started to work on myself and do, go to my process i noticed how, how i used to schedule before that i would schedule like a lunch with someone hmm. for an hour mm-hmm. at doing work you know i would go to work i do my thing go for an hour lunch boom back at the office and all of a sudden i realized that why am I working for? Who, what am I actually living my life for? That was really important for me to spend time with people. So I, first of all, took out people that did not did anything for me in my life. Mm-hmm. I was just in touch with them for some obligation or maybe they could help me in the future. Mm-hmm. But I, I cut that off. I, mm-hmm. did not, you know, I didn't want that. And I gave more time to people I did care about. So I would leave two hours for lunch, two and a half. I would make an open-ended lunch. Like I didn't book anything in the afternoons. How do you know how long the lunch would be? Mm-hmm. And I would spend spend time with them without putting them in the window just like a scheduled meeting mm-hmm. but more like really being present maybe something comes up maybe we just enjoy each other more maybe we go for a walk and giving the relationship a lot more weight in my life to begin with mm-hmm. like putting in those things into my life in a more intentional prioritized uh, absolutely mm-hmm. aware way I'm like, I want to be in connection with people mm-hmm. and that is really important to me so that's much higher in my priority list than it used to be so that's number one. When I'm there, I'm not just there to tell my story and say how great I am and move on. Mm-hmm. I'm paying attention to what people have to say. I care about their, who they are, what their story, what's what happened to them lately. You know, then they ask me and we have this back and forth. There's a, people you really feel comfortable with are people that care about you too. Mm-hmm. So you care about them deeply and they care about you deeply. And then you can have this exchange of touching each other's heart, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is the most important thing in the world. I don't feel like this is something that we, why are we living for if not for this moment? You mentioned step one is prioritizing and, and valuing those relationships. And maybe step two to having more meaningful connections is, is listening more actively and really, being really present. taking an interest in, in not just being selfish in your relationship. Like telling my piece, I want to tell you how great I am or whatever, mm-hmm. or something wonderful that happened to me, which is, you know, great to tell, but also hear the other side really care. I just read an article that was breaking down basically in in any dialogue between you and somebody there's two types of responses. There's shift responses where you shift the attention back to you mm-hmm. or there's support responses where you support what they're saying mm-hmm. and you keep the attention on them. Mm-hmm. And after reading that I was way more mindful of that I just take that I just move the spotlight back to me. Mm-hmm. And it's so true. After you told me that, the conversations I had that whole day, I was like, mm, shift response, mm, shift response. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was yeah. like, 
they all fall in one of those categories. And then you realize, oh, I'm supporting a lot of people through my conversation. Or I keep shifting it back to And me. we all know people that would sit there and talk about themselves forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We all love to talk about ourselves. It's our nature. But it's I mean, the awareness. It's the awareness, of, yeah. yeah. To know that you're doing that and that the other person hasn't said a word in an hour. Yeah, exactly. And Or you make that agreement, you know. You know, I have a, I have good friends. Sometimes I really need to vent. Mm-hmm. I say, listen, I I'm sorry, <laughs> but if it's okay with you, I need to really let it go here. Mm-hmm. And you know, a good friend will say, let's go. Mm-hmm. And because you know that you two weeks ago you've done exactly for them. You know, there's that thing going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, a relationship that someone always talks, someone's always listening. It's not a relationship. Mm-hmm. That's maybe like a therapist mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> or someone is not uh, getting. There's not reciprocation there. That's not okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But sometimes it, the balance shifts, right? Someone needs more than the other. And I know that it's hard for me sometimes to take that kind of space because I'm, 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 I much rather listen and support yeah. than vent and, and need support. But uh, when I need it, it's nice when someone can be there for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to admit to yourself that you need support and, and let yourself be supported by people. Right, so a lot of men, especially men, I think I, I want to say the female maybe have... a. A easier time with that. They, I think they're a lot more. They connect better than us men. Mm-hmm. Men have a hard time asking for help. Mm-hmm. Having a hard time receiving help. Yeah, I think it depends. It's very broad, and I'm sure everyone varies. But I, I would agree with you. It is broad, I, I, but I can say that with my experience, I find that men are not good at receiving help and asking for help. Mm-hmm. We're just not trained this way. We know socially and. Uh, you know, with all the movies we watch, right? There's always John Wayne alone on the hill, mm-hmm. taking care of business, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think recently, actually, you even see it in, in movies and, and other things that there's more community around. Like the people come into the realization that it's about community, mm-hmm. and we can't do it all by ourselves. We have to break that habit and be a lot more able to receive, give and receive, but not forget to receive. Receive is also a something you have to work on. I mean, think about how much more you can achieve when you're healing and, and, and supporting yourself and, and getting the help that you need. I mean, you can really take yourself to another level. Of course. And I think a lot of, you know, people deprive themselves of that because of their pride. Yeah, almost unknowingly. And, and it's kind of a good segue because you said the, few, the first way to you know, live more present was to connect with other people. Mm-hmm. Another like step two almost would be that meditation piece where you're connecting with yourself. Correct. Right? Right. Like a way to live a more present life is to take that time out of your day, whether it's five, 10, 15, 20 minutes and just sit in stillness and listen to your own voice. Because then I think you bring that with you throughout the day and you also know more clearly. Yeah, I need help right now. I need mm-hmm. to ask for help. It's not as confusing. So what you're saying is there's a self-realization of where you're at. It's kind of a check in with yourself. Where am I today? Am I, oh, I'm feeling very giving today. I just want to hug everyone. Or today I feel very depleted. I need a hug today. Mm-hmm. Um, number one, but I think everything starts with us. It all starts with us. You know, we, n- w- one cannot go into the world and be loving if he doesn't love himself. Mm-hmm. You can How can people love you if you don't love yourself? Mm-hmm. Right. So it starts with really connection with yourself. Also about your own experience. We talked about being ex- experiencing nature, experiences walks, experiencing drives, experiencing anything. It comes with a. First of all, you have to be connected to yourself. You cannot be ex- ex- you cannot be in a great great experience anywhere if you didn't connect well with yourself. And connecting with yourself is feeling comfortable with who you are, accepting the parts of yourself that you're not so proud of, but you know they're there, and accepting them. Mm-hmm. Really knowing, you know, sometimes I'm like this, and sometimes I'm not that great of a person. Sometimes maybe I'm losing it. 
But I have compassion for that. If you have compassion for that within you, you'll have compassion for that with your friends and other people. Mm-hmm. People that are very short with others on whatever faults they have are usually very short with their own faults, mm-hmm. right? They put themselves in a very tight place and they have to perform and they're not accepting themselves. So they won't accept the environment. Mm. They won't accept anybody around them. Mm. So it's all about accepting yourself, your story, knowing your story. This is why I'm promoting therapy because it's getting to know yourself. And getting to know yourself puts, getting to know yourself puts you in a world in a way of more accepting, right? You're a lot more calm in your own spirit, in your own skin. And then you can actually go into the world with a much calmer, more centered way. Because you know your story, you know who you are, you're comfortable. And how do you think people, do you feel that people respond to you differently because you are more comfortable? You know, it's gonna start a little woo-woo, but I think we all have certain vibration, energetical vibration. When people are centered, their calmness, you know, we have three brains, okay? So we have the, reptile brain which functions as you know make sure all of our bodily functions work you know Mm -hmm. we don't want to think about our heartbeat or breathing the reptile brain takes care of that there's the limbic brain on top of that which is the intuitive connection social brain and human beings have the neocortex which is the sits in the front of our um, forehead there behind our forehead and that's the executive function Mm -hmm. language planning, decision-making, decision making, mm-hmm. right? We, for millions of years, we, our limbic brain is a lot older than our neo, neocortex. Mm-hmm. So for millions of years, we had that brain, right? So we have this intuition, we have this ability to connect deeply without all this thinking. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's important to be in that place and not, and not over-explain things, you know, really be in the place of connectivity, be in that limbic brain of everything's okay, everything's connected, when we are in that place, I feel like, you know, there's a lot of conversation about cues, social cues. You mm-hmm. see on people's faces how they are. You feel, you know, this person has a bad energy. This person has a good energy. This person feels really good to be around. What is that? Mm-hmm. It's hard to explain, right? Mm-hmm. It's that limbic brain picks, that's what the limbic brain picks picks up. You know how the a thousand birds fly together mm-hmm. and never lose a bit, mm-hmm. like one body? Mm-hmm. That's the limbic brain. Mm. You know, a hundred gazelles eat in the prairie and all of a sudden one of them notice something is wrong with maybe a tiger mm-hmm. she picks up her head and everybody takes off running hmm. that's the limbic brain so we have that ability to pick up on very small cues smells um, facial reactions someone's behavior there's a lot of cues that we are you know attuned to that once it does and the other one attunes to right mm-hmm. and we're not even aware that we're doing it mm-hmm. this is what I'm talking about so when someone's super comfortable come with yourself, centered. It's someone that we, we say, wow, that person's really cool. I like being around that person. We don't even know why. Every time I'm around mm-hmm. that person, I feel like mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's nice. It's mm-hmm. nice. It feels good. Mm-hmm. Because they have a certain vibration that's very calm. It's not anxious. Mm-hmm. It's comfortable with himself. And therefore, those, all those cues are like cues of calmness and safety. Feel mm-hmm. safe, feeling safe around them. Feeling good around them. Right? In a great relationship with a mother and or caretaker and the baby, the mother is super calm and she, the baby is crying. She picks him up, she gives him this hug and listen to this really soft uh, heart rate. Her cues are all about softness and safety and the baby learns to calm down. Mm-hmm. This is how it works, right? We call it self-regulation. We are, the baby's learn to self-regulate. Where does he learn it from? Learns it from the caretaker. Mm-hmm. Some people, are just naturally more calm, so it's nice for us to be around them. There's a self-regulation. We start regulate. Oh, wow, we feel good around mm-hmm. there, right? It so inspires it. 
in the, in the people you're around. Well, we now know that the heartbeat of a mother affects the baby about 15 feet, I think, away from her body. Wow. So they start, there's some sort of synchronization that starts happening. The minute she walks into the room, they start to feel it. So we know the heart does radiate some sort of energy. So, you know, we, we know that people that get a hug for over 20 seconds, it affects their, if you hug someone for over 20 seconds, 20 or 30 seconds. 20, 30, yeah. Yeah, it calms the system completely. It's a long hug. Yeah, it's a long hug. It's, it, it's kind of weird. But if you pay attention to it and really do it this way and really do it in a way where the both hearts connect mm-hmm. in the right direction, right? Mm-hmm. We sometimes don't do it this way. Mm-hmm. There's studies about how it really affects one's spirit and calms the system down. There's less anxiousness happening. Mm-hmm. So we do need each other. Listen, the cavemen, they were sleeping on top of each other in a cave, touching. There was a lot of touch, a lot of safety going on mm-hmm. there. We are supposed to live in that very close quarters with other humans. It's only in the modern world that we got into boxes with glasses and concrete and we're super separated. And we have like best case scenario, you know, whatever, most case, most case scenario, two parents and a couple of kids there and they have to be give each other everything. It's mm-hmm. not possible. Mm-hmm. You know, in the world before us, for millions of years, there was tribes of 70, 80, 100 people moving together and a child would have five, six men he could take, you know, maybe more. They could take example from a bunch of free men that he can... He could learn from. So if his mom wasn't exactly mm-hmm. perfect in certain things, they were very close. Other teachers. Yes. Very close men, you know, and and they could pick up what they wanted from other modalities, or other, other models, right? Mm-hmm. Now Nowadays, one or two people in your life supposed to give you everything mm-hmm. for the first few years. Not very healthy. Well, I want to close out the thought, though, of I asked you, do you feel like being more secure affects the way that people treat you? And I think to, to summarize that is that you say, yes, it does, because it affects a vibration, basically, that's exposed by your limbic brain that I think we all pick up on cues and that people love that energy, basically, that it inspires positive feelings in them mm-hmm. and now we're talking more about tribal living and and more ancient primordial living where we had exposure to to more people and I think about that all the time because you know I, I don't have kids I'd like to have kids one day and I think about how many parents basically take their brain and imprint it on their child with all the good stuff but also with all the bad stuff right. and I don't think we do a good enough job you know as a child you're raised and you see your parents literally as gods they are they are the, they are your gods they're yes. your gods when you're young yeah that's correct and it takes a long time until you get enough exposure outside of your you know childhood world to correct. see other families and other models of of learning and I don't think we do a good enough job teaching kids that there are teachers all over and that we're just teaching them one model of existence. Correct. So there's, the, there's that, which you're absolutely right. And there's an attitude of, a parent, of parenting, which is really important to add as well. A lot of parents see their kids as the extension of them. Mm-hmm. Right? You're my son. You have to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. You have to be a good student. You have to be a great athlete because mm-hmm. you're my son. I'm a great athlete. You have to be a great athlete. Mm-hmm. Oh, I wasn't a great athlete. You have to be a great athlete. Whatever that is. Parents a lot of times don't see their kids as separate entities. Mm-hmm. Completely separate with their own karma, with their own life, with their own destiny. And we are there to help these little souls fly by themselves, but we are not. they're not an extension of us. Mm-hmm. And that enmeshment that parents have with their kids is another issue where you know it's only a few you know it's they're stuck with them and they only they expect them to be a part of you know like an extension of them Mm -hmm. and 
that creates a lot of issues. They show up in therapy room with a lot of issues this way. <laughs> We're too egocentric to let our kids learn from other teachers, maybe. Is that fair to say? Yeah, there's something about that. There's something about that. There's something about um, ego that we feel like our kids are part of our ego, part of our, who we are. They represent us. You know, they say when people get married, they become very worried about how the uh, the partner behaves in public because everything that they do is a reflection on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it's it's this kind of a it's an enmeshment. It's a it's a feeling of like we one body, we one entity, and we're not. Mm-hmm. Everyone, you know, the, the the way to live well is for each one of us to have his own center, know who he is, you know who you are, you're good with who you are, you are loving yourself, and you're walking into a relationship like that as a whole, and the other person is a whole, and you're just joining hands and having fun together, but you're not enmeshed as one body, because that's not healthy. When you lean on the other, it's codependency, and you see a lot of it is in the, in the world, a lot. Codependent. People cannot be by themselves. They have to have the other person there. So we, carry, we got carried away to many different directions here. You asked me about this being being centered. When people work on themselves, when they're comfortable with themselves, when they know who they are and they're not trying to be something they're not, they're not playing a, a character, but they're really authentic. It's attractive. Mm-hmm. It feels good. Mm-hmm. It feels good for our system. It feels safe. And I think it's a little rare, but... This is what we need to do, is help people get to a place of being very comfortable with who they are and loving themselves and being centered. And I think that way, life flows so much better for everyone. We hope you enjoyed that interview with Ron Levitin, somatic therapist. That concludes the second part of our three-part series. And in our next episode, we'll be walking through a guided meditation, which Duran leads us on. Stay tuned.